On this week's episode of This Week in College Football brought to you by CFB Talk Daily, we will be reviewing the Week 0 games, the Thursday night games, and we will talk about some of the Week 1 games that we're interested in possibly betting on. We will also have another edition of Hot on the Trails with Max and John. And also, we will have the interview with Rutgers great Kasim Green on the back end of the episode. All right, let's jump on into it. Welcome back to another edition of This Week in College Football, brought to you by CFB Talk Daily. Today is Thursday, August 29th. There is a somewhat full slate of games tonight. Uh, we got a couple big FBS games, some teams playing FCS teams. Uh, before we talk about that, we're going to talk about Week 0 real quick. So we're going to recap the two big games from this past weekend. Uh, we'll start with the big, big game, um, Miami versus Florida. Uh, so, John, if you just want to – what were your thoughts watching that game? Uh, I think we need more Week 0 games next year. Uh, I could say there's probably most certainly going to be an FBS week zero game next year because even though that game was god awful in the quality of football played, it was one of the highest ranked football games watched on ESPN in years. So I can I think that I also think that Jaron Williams needs to learn to throw the football away because it, it seems like he just held on to the ball every play, tried to make something happen, got sacked I think nine times, so that was kind of rough to watch. Yeah, I, I definitely loved this year's Week Zero game. I like that it was a rivalry game, too, like, early in the year. Like, this wasn't just some, like, random game that was thrown in August. Like, this was a rivalry game, like, a historic rivalry game that normally isn't played this early. Uh, so they kind of got the main stage. So that probably that, – that definitely attributed to being the most watched game. But, you know, still, it was a fun game to watch as, like, a fan of, like, just good games. But as, like, a football guy – I watched that game, and so many times I was like, what What are you doing? Like, the end of the first half, Felipe Franks taking that sack. Like, that ball needs to get thrown away. I'm pretty sure there was, like, they didn't have any timeouts. There were, 13, like, 14 seconds left. I'm pretty sure it was, like, second or third down. It wasn't fourth. And the pocket collapsed on him, and he just stood there and got sacked. Like, that ball needs to get thrown away and give yourself another chance to get to the end zone. Um, but, like, what do you think – going later on like what were your thoughts on florida like as like the eighth ranked team in the country what were your thoughts on them uh, if you're the eighth ranked team in the country then um every team beneath them has to be god awful that that was my takeaway i also wanted to point out that i loved felipe franks uh taunting the crowd saying i do this <laughs> stop playing with me and then immediately throwing a ball into triple coverage and getting picked like Five minutes later. Well, he's not. I mean, he he is right in saying that he does that. So he does do that. You're right. Um, yeah. I I watching that game. I'm not. It might have been like the early season jitters. Like, could a guy's been like, you know, been too antsy to play? They were just ready to go, like too riled up. But that did not look like the number eight ranked team in the country playing right there. Like, there were a lot of stupid penalties in that game. Um. I know down the stretch there were a lot of pass interferences on plays that probably receivers didn't really have plays on. There were a couple of pass interferences and a couple of penalties that I thought were kind of iffy on if they should have been called. Like, um, I think there was a late hit call 
that I kind of didn't agree with, but it, it was like a 50-50 call. Um, but like as the eighth team in the country, I don't think that's what the number eight team in the country is going to look like in November. Now, if it'll be Florida, who knows? Yeah, but still. Uh, I don't know. I think that they had a lot of a lot more issues that were bigger than like because I went back and rewatched it because like I was a little like I was drinking that night. I went back and watched some of it, and um, they had a lot of like technical errors, just like leaving guys uncovered, like PIs just not looking for the ball. Like they looked like poorly disciplined. Yeah, and that, that doesn't like I don't know if that was just I don't know if that's Florida this year. Like if there's going to be a lot of those kind of plays, or if there's you know if that was just the week zero jitters. But I mean, obviously we're going to find out later. But I don't know. I I thought Miami. I'm not sure if Miami played up to Florida's level or Florida played down. But Miami, if you're a Miami fan, you have to be excited for the year, even after a loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, what about Hawaii, Arizona? I, I know you, I think you bet on that game. So Oh, that was a great, that was, a, I, let me tell you, I saw that game and the over, I, I got the over at 72 and a half. And the first two possessions of the game was picked by Arizona, and followed by one of, I don't know, yeah, Cole McDonald threw one of his four picks, and then Khalil Tate followed his possession up with a pick. So I was kind of sweating in my boots a little bit. I was like, well, where did this defense come from? And then I think, like, the next four possessions were touchdowns. And I'll, t- I'll tell you when I knew the over was going to hit. That Khalil Tate threw a touchdown, and his receiver did not have anybody within, like, 15 yards of him. And like the first, and then at that moment, I knew that the over was going to hit. Um, but on like a serious note, uh, when when they took Cole McDonald out, uh, the over hadn't hit yet. Oh no, it did hit. I was I was at seventy. I was at seventy one, so I had to win. But when they took him out, I was kind of like, wow, like that's that's a bold move. Like you're taking some guy. Like he had like four hundred yards, three hundred and fifty yards at that point. Like. I get it that like he had thrown four picks, and then they put this kid Cordero in, and I went on Reddit right away. And someone on Reddit was like, if you don't think that he's just as electric as McDonald, just wait. And, dude, he threw, like, a 25-yard touchdown in one of the tightest windows in a double coverage that I've ever seen. So Yo, Yeah, he actually played uh, – I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I was very impressed when he came in because, like, they didn't miss a beat. Although I do have a question for you. How do you feel that they're sticking with McDonald this week? I think McDonald's our guy. Um, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm a Hawaii fan. I've only watched Hawaii games when I've been on them, and that's when they go field. But just like watching McDonald, like he fits into their offense, like like a puzzle piece. Like they just love to throw the ball, and he just loves to throw the ball. Like I know I saw at one point it was first down, so they'd gotten a pick or a fumble or something, and they gotten the ball back, and they were going for a huge momentum swing, and he threw into triple. He threw into double coverage with a safety just hanging around. So he threw into triple coverage. And he just, like, the coach wasn't, like, they showed the coach app, and he wasn't even, like, screaming on the field. He was just like, all right, regroup, let's play. And then next pass was, like, probably a 30-yard slant route that fucking opened up. Yeah, uh, I think Tate. one thing I wanted to say is that he's back to the, Kolotate is back. Yeah, you know, I, I Oh, wait, you're saying, are you saying that he's, like, back, like, where he used to be, or, like... Yeah, yeah, no, he's back, like, his old, like, form, like, where, like, this guy could potentially put up, like, 2,000 rushing yards, 2,000 passing yards. 
Yeah, I felt the same thing. I mean, I, I don't know. I know you had to work on Sunday if you saw the last play of the game. No, I was off Sunday. Oh, so yeah, you def- you probably saw the last play of the game. When he took off, I was like, what are you doing, bro? It's like a 50-yard run. Like, what are you doing? And then he just kept running. And I was like, and then there were a couple plays in that game where he was making plays happen, throwing 50-yard bombs off his back foot, like on the move. So I definitely think that he is back to where he used to be, where he's like a dangerous threat. Oh yeah, definitely. Which is which? That's good for um, Arizona because they kind of need that difference maker. They have JJ Taylor at running back, who's really good, but uh, they need a dynamic quarterback to make it work. And Kevin Sumlin is a uh, usually the quarterback whisperer, but did not look good last year. I'll say that. Yeah, so yeah, Sumlin typically is good with quarterback, especially well. Well, he was good with Johnny. And um, then he, he he's you know he's coached a lot of quarterbacks. And well, he he coached the uh, number one. Passing leader in FBS history. Yeah, uh, the quarterbacks that he has coached, it, it's a big uh, quarterback tree. Yeah, so he has a uh, Tim Rosenbach. He uh, was at um, I think he was in the NFL when he was coaching him. Drew Bledsoe, Drew Brees, Jason White, Sam Bradford, Case Keenum, and then Johnny Football. So. Yeah, so he he has he is a quarterback whisperer, but like last year they changed uh they changed Tate way too much out of his comfort like comfort zone, and I think this year they're starting to go back to it. And you can see that he's Tate looked more comfortable on Saturday night than I think he looked at all last year. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk about the games tonight. Uh, big big West Coast game on tonight. Uh, Utah versus BYU. Uh, John, what what are your thoughts on that game early? Uh, I think BYU. Uh, well, I'm, I'm gonna steal something from uh, our friend Nolan, who's part of CSB Talk Daily. Uh, I just saw you tweeted this, but I think I agree. BYU is going to silence the Utah hype week one. Really? I don't think they beat them, but I think it's a much closer game to where people become iffy on uh, the Utes. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree that it's going to be close. But a lot of people think it's going to be a close game. I, don't, I think Utah is only six and a half point favorites. I'm just saying. Like, I, I, no, no, but I, I agree that I think like Utah, I feel like every, for the last couple of years, Utah has been like, re, I mean, not Utah, uh, BYU has been like really overlooked. And because they play in the Mountain West, everyone's like, eh, whatever, it's BYU. But like BYU is a very good football team. Like they're a team that I could see giving Utah a game for three and a half quarters. No, I, I agree. So I think that happens. I think that uh, Utah will definitely get pushed by BYU. We'll get a little scare. Yeah, p- potentially an upset. I wouldn't rule that out. Uh, so let's talk about one of the other games tonight. It's a less interesting game. I think it's going to be a blowout. Uh, how much do you think the Clemson wins by tonight against George Tech? 52. 52 points? 52 points. I would honestly say around that. I think they're going to blow the doors off. What the heck? What just happened? Dude, there's a big-ass bug on my shirt. <laughs> Dude, I might keep that in. All right, so let's talk about some of uh, – I've we're going to pick out some of our games for week one that were – Interested to watch uh, whether they're Saturday or Sunday. So we'll talk about the Saturday. There's only one game on Sunday, so I already gave away one of my picks. But we'll talk about some of those games. So, John, let, why don't you run through the list of games you're interested for this weekend? All right. Obviously, uh, 
Oregon Auburn. Bet, bet on my ducks. So, uh, <coughs> sorry about that. Um, Oregon Auburn. Uh, I think the that's going to be a good game. Um, then I also have Utah BYU, which is tonight. That's going to be a great game. And uh, Oklahoma Houston. I feel like that is going to be an underrated game. I think Oklahoma wins, but I think it'll be fairly close. Uh, so my games, um, I might bet on a couple of these. Uh, I might dabble with them. Uh, my first one is USC Fresno. Uh, I'm probably actually definitely going to have some action on that. Uh, USC, I think that's this is going to be like a deciding game for their season almost. Um, I, I think they, they, they should win this game. Uh, but like I said, like just like BYU, Fresno State's like a very good team, but they play in the Mountain West, so no one, like when you look at the West Coast, no one really gives the Mountain West that love they deserve. Uh, I think Fresno could push them, or at least cover thirteen and a half. And I think if Fresno wins this game, Helton can't even sit on his seat anymore because it is so hot. Oh, absolutely. I think even if it's a closer game than it should be, which it probably will be, because Fresno is a very good team. Uh, my second game. Uh, is West Virginia James Madison. Uh, West Virginia loses a lot of guys um, on offense specifically. Uh, James Madison uh, is always a good FCS team. They actually want to make the jump up. They called the American and said, hey, uh, we want to come in. Let's let's join the party. Uh, So that's that's a six, but if I was going to suggest taking anything, I would probably suggest them covering, maybe go alternate with them. Uh, just, but I think that could be a close game. I think we can have like an early FCS game, like an FCS upset. And then my other game, which you already touched on, was the Oklahoma-Houston game. I think we'll get to see what Oklahoma has again this year, if they're going to have the same kind of high-tempo offense like they typically have, uh, how they're going to use Jalen Hurts running around. And then I'm trying to see if I can find a third one, another third one, because you talked about the, the, the Oklahoma game. Uh-huh. There's a couple really good games. Like I think Virginia Tech Boston College is going to be a good game. Um, uh-huh. South Carolina UNC should be a good game. Like I, I think there's a lot of good games week one. I I think one of the better ones is actually going to be uh, Boise State Florida State. I think we'll get to see the true Florida State week one getting like they'll get a quality opponent week one this year. Uh, did you see Boise State's QB like Hank? Uh... Buechmacher, uh, Backmire. I saw a picture of him, and he looks terrified. Like the first picture on Google, he looks like very afraid to be a quarterback. So I think Florida State wins. Well, maybe he's afraid of hurricanes because they have had to move. They moved the game to I think they moved it to, out of Jacksonville to Tallahassee. It's a great point. So maybe he because Boise doesn't get too many hurricanes, so maybe he's not aware of what's coming at him. He's a little afraid. It's a great point. Uh, no, but I think that'll be a, a, a good game. I think we'll get to see what Florida State is this year because this isn't one of those games where they're playing like an FCS team or a terrible mid-major team. Like they'll actually play a quality football team to someone who they're probably honestly around their level, maybe a little more talented than. So we'll get to see if the talent of Florida State can mesh together this year to get them back to a bowl and you know, potentially save Willie Taggart's job. That's a great point. All right, so now we're going to move our way into the weekly occurring segment. Uh, John and Max hitting up with some hot in the trails, some recruiting news. So I'll catch you guys on the other side of that.
All right, so my team was uh, my hot team week one, the Texas Longhorns. They're up to the sixth team nationally. They're number one in the Big 12 ahead of Oklahoma. They got a commitment from four-star Xavier Alford from Perwin, Texas. He's a safety, ranked uh, 141th nationally. He has offers from Alabama, Arizona, Arizona State, and Arkansas to give you a little idea of who wanted him. And four-star wide receiver Quentin Johnson, who's a 6'4 receiver from Temple, Texas, close to a five-star. He's a 9680. He had offers from Texas, TCU, Baylor, Duke, and uh, seven other schools. Dang, yeah, he looks like he really had the choice of wherever he wanted to go. Um, yeah, just to touch on the guys you talked about a little bit, quick side note on Xavier and Alfred. I, I was following him for a bit when Oregon was still in the picture, but his Twitter handle is 100-yard landlord. So if you, think, if you think he's lacking any confidence on the field, that should answer that. And then uh, Quinton Johnston, I like this pickup a lot for them, especially with uh, Colin Johnson. He came back for his senior year, but uh, he's you know their biggest target on the field, um, and he'll be going to the draft next year. A lot of people vote, view him as a top receiver. So with uh, Johnston's commitment, you get a guy with size at 6'4", and you get another star recruit staying in home in the state of Texas. Yeah. Uh, one thing with Johnson, he actually he's a big-time dunker in basketball. And a state medalist high jumper. So he's a pretty insane go. athlete. Yeah. Right on. Um, all right. So who's your hot team this week, Max? Yeah. So my hot team this week, uh, we're staying in the Pac-12 conference. But unfortunately, it's not my Oregon Ducks. Uh, it's that team up north in ah, Seattle. The Huskies. Um, not even going to say the school name. No, whatever. It's fine. Um, but they got three big guys this past week. Uh, just going to go through them here. Uh, 2020 defensive back Jacoby Covington from Saguaro High School in Scottsdale, Arizona. He's a four-star, 9165 per the 247 Sports Composite. He was he picked the Huskies from a top eight of Arizona, Arizona State, LSU, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Oregon, Texas A&M, and, of course, Washington. So that's a big pickup for them. And then moving on, we have 2020 DB Michaela Steen from Lawndale High School. He's a three-star, 8714. Other offers of note are Kansas State, Kentucky, Oregon, and Wisconsin. And then the last guy they got was 2020 defensive back Elijah Jackson, also from Lawndale High School, and also a three-star uh, 8516 on the composite. Chose the Huskies over offers from Boise State, California, Texas Tech, and UCLA. That brings the Huskies up to the second class in the Pac-12 behind Oregon, 16th class in the nation, rocking a commit average of 8876. And I like these commits because Washington lost a ton of talent in the secondary uh, this past year to the NFL draft. And they're, they've been doing a great job of bringing in defensive talent and developing them tremendously well. So that's big for them to keep that tradition going. No, yeah, definitely Washington, that, that team up north, does a great job of uh, developing DBs. Uh, I, they have a lot of good players committed. Uh, most notably, I think Sam Adams from the state of Washington. and. Um, Rome Adus, is that how you say it? O- Oduns, maybe? Uh, yeah, I think that's how you say it. It's kind of one uh, of those more interesting uh, names. All right, Romo. They have Romo <laughs> committed. Uh, I think they're both going to be very good players for Washington, and it's pretty weird seeing them recruit like highly rated offensive guys because they're a defensive school. But uh, I think Oregon-Washington is going to be the new uh, USC-Oregon. 
yeah, I, I, I could totally see that, especially with how relevant Washington's been in the past. I think a lot of people, myself included, are kind of voting them off this year just because of all the people they lost and how Jake Browning wasn't the best player, but he was the perfect quarterback that Washington needed for their system. You know, bringing in a guy like Sam Adams that's, you know, a bigger guy, 6'2", 200 pounds, could have gone anywhere in the country. Keeping him home, him home in his home state of Washington is going to be big. So keep an eye on them for years to come because Chris Peterson's, you know, I don't like the guy, but he, he's proven he can develop talent and, you know, hang with the best of them. Yeah, uh, one thing with is that I think that uh, Browning, yeah, I was talking about Browning. Browning was, I think his issue was that he got worse every season after, like, that one great season he had. I I don't know if you agree with that or not, but. Yeah, I mean, I I think he was solid. He came away from the Pac-12 as the the winningest quarterback in conference history, but maybe personally, like, you know, with his statistics, it was, you know, on a bit of a decline. And I know that Oregon kind of showed if you can get him rattled and, you know, put enough pressure on him, you can kind of take away how effective he's going to be in a game. But like I said, I think he was just what Washington needed. So we'll see how they, you know, go about replacing him with either Jacob Eason or Sam Ward is his name. Or maybe that's one of their commits. But we'll see if Eason can come home and take the Huskies, you know, back to the promised land. Yeah, it's probably going to be Eason. Uh, all right, so do you want to get into yeah, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Uh, so my cold team this week is coming from the Big Ten Conference in the form of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh, they currently come in with eight commits that merit them the 55th class in the nation, 11th in the Big Ten. Um, coming as a bit of a surprise because they finished fourth in the Big Ten uh, for the 2019 class, bringing in 26 commitments. Um, and they're, you know, a storied name, I feel like, in college football. And what's kind of, you know, interesting of note, to note here is that their head coach, Scott Frost, who was an offensive coordinator at Oregon, claimed that it was hard to recruit to Oregon, and now Oregon's one of the biggest names you see in recruiting. So if you can recruit to Eugene, I think you can recruit to just about anywhere, and kind of makes you question how is Nebraska any different, but... We'll see how they try to recover from this. They do have a headliner in their 2020 class and four-star offensive lineman Turner Corcoran from Lawrence, Kansas. He's borderline five-star status at 9811, and the Cornhuskers are currently cold. Uh, okay, I, I agree. I think Nebraska, especially with all the hype around the program, should be recruiting much better. Uh, I also think that Although Nebraska is sort of in the middle of nowhere, it's not as far out as, like, you know, a Eugene or something like that, where I know we were looking at flights to go out there, and there was about a day layover in Alaska for one of the flights, so it's actually, like, in the remote nowhere. Yeah, well, I mean, they have they have a good a good history to, to back them, and, you know, guys have come through there and had tremendous success, so... The pieces are there. Scott Frost just has to put it together. And I think of uh, Adrian shoot, Martinez, that's his name. Uh, he's actually gotten his name thrown around the Heisman conversation. So they should have a decent team this year if his name is being thrown around there. And we'll see if they can have a successful year. What's uh, what's your cold team looking like this week, John? Uh, so my cold team is Missouri. They are second, in, second to last in the SEC in recruiting. And I think that 
to win in the SEC, especially as a team that's not Alabama or LSU, you have to recruit better than that. And uh, they had a three-star commit, Montra Edwards, who would have been one of the better players in their class, uh, commit and then decommit five days later. So that was pretty unfortunate for them. And uh, they have a offensive lineman, Jalen St. John, who, you know, a little birdie told us Monday night that he may be flipping to Illinois. That'll be probably in this podcast episode. So stay tuned for that. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't really expect a whole lot from Missouri. However, they did have a pretty successful quarterback play last year, and Drew Locke had his name called in the draft. So that's something for the team to, uh, you know, hit on when they're talking to recruits and giving them their pitch, why you should come play for Missouri. But it looks like they're keeping some good guys uh, in state. Um, Jalen St. John being one of those guys from Trinity Catholic. Uh, but we'll see if he ends up staying committed. Um, they do have a quarterback already in, in, uh, in waiting, I guess you could say, in Brady Cook. Um, so they have, they have a quarterback, which is important. He committed uh, basically at the start of last year. So getting him to stay committed is going to be essential for them if they want to try to build a, a successful team around him. No, yeah, definitely. Uh, so with that happening, I don't know if Missouri, like, like you said, they have a quarterback committed. And normally when you get the quarterback to commit, you know, some of his teammates or guys that he's like been to camps with commit. But I feel like it didn't happen with Cook. But uh, they definitely have had quarterback success recently. I'm excited to see how uh, Kelly Bryant does this year. Yeah, me too. He he should be I think he should be pretty good. Missouri's kind of I wouldn't say a high profile program. So it'll be a good change of scenery, I think, for Bryant. Or not to say there's a lot of drama around Clemson, but you know, they're in the press every week and they always have all eyes on them. So having an opportunity for him to play somewhere that's maybe a little bit more low key where he can play his kind of football and not have to deal with coaching drama like he did with Dabo. I think that'll be good for him. Yeah. Uh, just w- one thing with uh, Clemson always being in the headlines. Did you see that they reportedly are the team that paid Gary Well, offered to pay Gary 300 K? I I saw the news about Gary, but I did not know that they were the team that offered him money. And that's kind of funny that that's surfacing now that they're kind of trying to take uh, Alabama's spot as, you know, top dog in college football. Yeah, like all all the replies to the tweet were like, uh, this has been known. It's been Clemson for like three years. And I was like, oh, like, I didn't I didn't know that. Like, um, all right. So do you want to get on to your commit of the week? Yeah, my uh, my commit of the week uh, for this week is Texas A&M 2020 wide receiver commit uh, Demond Demoss. Uh, he's a five star, uh, 6'3", 182 pounds, coming in as the number two ranked wide receiver in the nation, number thirteen player overall in the 2020 class. Um, just some stats here to put in perspective how great of a player he is on the field. Uh, he's running a 4-4-3-40 and coupling that with a 41-inch vert. So he's just going to be an absolute weapon for the Aggies to use in the red zone. Um, one funny note here is he uh, kind of caught my attention when I was looking through Twitter, as I do most days, to see what's going on with recruiting. He caught my attention when I saw a clip of him at the opening wearing a bonnet. You usually see recruits wearing like headbands, do-rags, uh, bandanas, or hats. And wearing a bonnet was quite unique. Um, just to wrap oh, I can't up, believe that. 
<laughs> sure. Yeah, it's weird. But just to wrap up what uh, what's kind of going on with him, some recent news is he transferred from North Forest High School in Houston to Tumble High School uh, in Tumble, Texas. And he had his uh, appeal to play denied 6 nothing by the University Interscholastic League. Um, this is coming after North Forest claimed that he only transferred for athletic purposes, but um, he's come on record saying that he's going to stay at Tumble even though he can't play and, uh, you know, finish out his schoolwork and, you know, cheer on his teammates and just get ready to go to Aggieland um, once he graduates, probably try to enroll early, I would assume. Yeah, uh, not completely related, but there was a receiver, I Northwestern commit, actually who is going to miss his senior season just like he is. Uh, but the Northwestern commit actually took too many credits before his senior year, which made him ineligible, which I think that, like, in high school athletics, like, just let them play. Like, is it really that serious? Like, I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, you'd hate to knock a guy for seemingly trying too hard in the classroom. I feel like, if nothing else, that would be a good thing. But, uh, you know... High school and college sports never cease to surprise us when they're, you know, working with their students. No, de- definitely not. Also, uh, that makes a def. He's uh, good to A and M. You said right. Mm-hmm. That's gonna make a very nice class with him and a uh, Moose Muhammad. He's another four-star receiver, I think. I believe. So they're gonna be playing together. That will be very nice. Um, yeah, that'll be a good a good uh duo to work with. You uh you got your recruit of the week. Yeah, well, uh, you know, let's point out this is the second take of this because uh, I forgot to hit record on the first time. So uh, the first time you did steal my recruit of the week. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, I, I am back and I'm prepared. Um, same position. I have Coy Moore, a four-star receiver, committed to LSU. His pro comparisons are Odell Beckham. He possesses an adequate frame with above-average height and enough frame Space to add some bulk in college. That that's a uh, written beneath his uh, 247 page. Uh, he runs a 46240, which is kind of slow for a four star, but that'll get better with uh, college conditioning. But he's also a very good route runner, so he doesn't necessarily need to be a burner. Yeah, exactly. I I totally see what you're saying there. I think um I think Moore is gonna be in a great spot to get developed and. Maybe he won't need to rely on his speed as much, you know, going from LSU. LSU has always been a great school for developing skilled players, um, you know, looking no further than OBJ and Jarvis Landry. So I think that'll be big for him to get in there, stay home. He's from Louisiana, put on for his family and, you know, try to get LSU back up there and work, you know, competing with the best people year in, year out. Yeah. All right. So, so one thing I do want to touch on before we uh, wrap up here is a, uh... Five-star receiver Rakeem Jarrett currently committed to the LSU Tigers. Do you think he sticks with that? Um, I could see him sticking with it, um, but at the same time, you know, he's a high-profile guy, five-star, like you were saying. He's going to have guys in his ear all the way up until signing day. Um, if he doesn't end up going to LSU, I could see him maybe going to you know one of those blue blood schools like Alabama or Ohio State. Um, looks like Ohio State's received some love for him on a crystal ball with uh, 60% of his predictions, so we'll just have to see and wait it out. Uh, if you went to Ohio State, that'd be ridiculous because they are loaded in this class at receiver. Yes, they are. They're, and uh, they're going to be absolute freaks at receiver. It's not even like there's like anyone they could process out of the class. Like 
if Raheem Jarrett said, hey, I want to come on board, because all the other receivers are extremely highly rated, too. Like, Yeah, they are. I mean, But I feel like at the same time, Raheem Jarrett's not somebody that you're going to just say, oh, well, we don't we don't have room for you, so go find another school to play for. They already, yeah, they have four receivers committed already, and I don't know how their roster is looking to see if it would even be reasonable to take a fifth receiver just on numbers. Mm-hmm. But this this is what makes recruiting so interesting to follow, folks. The drama never stops. Well, I feel like if they had, if they didn't have room, I feel like they'd cut like like a three star D tackle and be like, hey, we don't, we don't need you, <laughs> rather than tell one of the receivers there's no room. Yeah, I mean. Just going off of that, their lowest rated commit is a three star kicker who's an eight two six five, but you need kickers. You can't just yeah. you know, I don't know. It's a it's a tough situation there, I guess, if you wanna call it that. Like boo hoo, we we only have five amazing receivers. Yeah. All right, so uh, I just wanna end on I think that Rakeem Jarrett ultimately will sign with Maryland. I wanna make that prediction now, get it out there. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Probably gonna be wrong, but I think he'll flip to Maryland. And what's your reasoning on that prediction? Uh, he's from Washington, D.C. Uh, another five-star receiver from a while ago, Stefan Diggs, ended up staying home, playing at Maryland. Uh, and I think Mike Loxley will ultimately get in his ear enough to flip him. I believe he said something along the lines that like, Loxley's like a like, you know, like the man in D.C., like that area, the DMV. Mm-hmm. Uh, he may have said that he was like a father figure. I don't remember. But... Uh, I think that'll be, be enough to flip them. We'll have to see. That'd be, that'd be cool. I mean, I'd like to see Maryland get a big name, big name player like that. I feel like I don't hear much about them, so that'd be that'd be really cool for all of college football. Yep. Yeah. All right. So I think that wraps up this week. Uh, thanks for coming back on, Max. So I look forward to talking to you again next week. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on, John. Uh, I'll be back next week and see what's going on recruiting. So some hot in the trails to keep you updated on the recruiting side of college football. Uh, John and Max do a great job giving us some hot teams, cold teams, some recruits that they're looking forward to seeing this year or next year, I guess, some guys who are just committing. Uh, so we're going to jump into our highly anticipated interview with Kasim Green, uh, ex-Ruckers back. But before we get to that, uh, the Kasim Green interview is brought to you by SeatGeek. Uh, SeatGeek is an easy alternative to buying tickets to see your favorite team play. The best part about SeatGeek is while you're on the app, you can tell if your tickets are a good deal or they're not a good deal. Uh, any sections highlighted in green indicate that you're getting a good bang for your buck. Anything in red, you're probably paying a little too high for your section. You know what else is also a good deal, John? What's up? Using code CFBTD at checkout to get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So go see your team play this year. Download SeatGeek. Use code CFBTD at checkout. And we're going to give you guys $20 off. All right, guys. Like I said, we are here with a very, very special guest. Uh, we have ex-Ruckers great Kasim Green. Uh, not only is he Ruckers great, he was a uh, first-team All-American, uh, first-team All-Big East, and he was the Big East Defensive Player of the Year in 2012. Uh, Kasim, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you guys, man. Man, when John texted me, like uh, I guess a week ago, and said that he'd reached out to you and you said you'd come on. I'm not going to lie. I was like, I was a little like fangirling. I was like, oh my God, I remember this guy playing when he was in college. Like I was a young kid watching you play growing up. So this is actually, this is awesome. You know, having you on right now. Yeah, man. It's awesome on my end too, man. It's, it's, uh, 
it's not a lot of times where I actually get to do uh, like podcasts or interviews with, you know, I get to talk about Rutgers or the time when I was there. So it's it's pretty cool to actually sit back and do this. Yeah, I can imagine. It's probably pretty fun. Yeah, man. Definitely. All right, so typically how we do the interviews is uh, John will throw out a few questions and then I don't write my questions down. I kind of just base them off of answers and stuff. Okay. So, John, if you have any, we're going to run up with your first question right up. All right, uh, so Kasim, also a big fan. I remember watching you, like, I think I was a junior in high school, your senior year. So, like, you were like the man to me. I played linebacker. So, like, <laughs> yeah, that uh, was tough, man. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Rutgers ha- hasn't been the best on the field lately since moving to the Big Ten. Right. Do you th- do you think your team, your senior year, do you think they'd be able to compete in the Big Ten? Man, um, we it's funny because we talk about this a lot. And uh, for, for me, I think we would have competed, man. It was like it was different for us. So it didn't matter who we stood in front of. Um, and I'm not saying like the guys now think about who they stand in front of or what, but. It didn't matter who you lined us up against. We would we was always going to be prepared to to beat whoever it was. Like I remember we went into um um I want to say we went into Arkansas and uh and it was just like oh man like you know SEC da 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 and it's just like man let everybody talk bro we know what we coming coming here to do like we not coming here to lose man we coming here to you know what i'm saying shot somebody or or or, or bust somebody up so i think us in the big 10 my senior year we would have had a lot of success man we would have been a sleeper which would have been would have played to our advantage but uh we would have had some success definitely and that's because we we've talked about this a couple a couple of weeks ago maybe about a month ago i i had said that i thought your team would have done very good in the big 10 because like, you just mentioned the Arkansas game. And I remember watching that game. That was like a, a coming out party for Gary Nova with the performance that he put on. Like, I, I, I'm sure you remember it, obviously. But oh, yeah. I remember watching that game and saying, man, this is, you know, this is a tough team. They're going to play SEC country. You know, Arkansas had just come off a couple good seasons. So this is got just true tests here. And then I, Nova, I remember him killing it defensively. You guys – uh, wasn't even wasn't even that you guys killed them defensively. Yeah, yeah, we had a pretty good game against them defense, especially their running game. They had a they had some pretty premier backs. Um, we were able to control those guys. Um, I forgot. I, wow, what was that quarterback name, man? Um, dang, I forgot the quarterback they had that year. But he was a pretty good quarterback, and uh, he actually he went on to play in the NFL. But uh, yeah. was it Brandon Allen or? Uh... Tyler, no. uh, Tyler Wilson. Tyler, was it Tyler? Was it Tyler Wilson? Yeah. Yeah. Tyler, it, probably, it probably was. Yeah. Yeah. His name Tyler Wilson. Yeah. He was pretty tough. And then they had the, the uh, they had the running uh, wide receiver Kobe Hamilton. He torched us, man. Not gonna lie, he torched us. Uh, but they were a legit team, bro. Like they were a legit team. Like you said, man. We just went out there and played our game, and Gary had a Gary had a you know coming out party. So. I really believe we would have had some success in the Big Ten, man. And that's just like, that's not being biased. That's just me, you know, being one of the leaders on the defense and knowing how our defense played night in and night out on game day. So we would have had some success uh, in, in the Big Ten, man, for sure. Yeah, so uh, you said that uh, you talk about this with guys. Uh, are there any guys, so I'm assuming those guys on the team you're still close with? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm close with a lot of guys, man. I, I mean, when I say a lot, I mean a lot. Like, literally just – just as you guys were calling me and Marcus Cooper was texting because, you know, he's at, he's with the Jets now. So, and I went to a practice the other day 
Um, but he was one of my roommates. Uh, um, like I think it was, I want to say our freshman and sophomore year, we were roommates and then we both moved off campus, um, on our own places, but he was one of my first roommates. So I'm still tight with him. Uh, I talked to Deron Harmon a lot, man. Um, man, I talked to a lot of guys, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, um, um, Antoine Lowry, I'm real close with him. Uh, Khalil Glaw. It's a couple guys that I'm like that. I, like I consider my brothers, so I'm I'm I talk to them like on almost a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I remember Jordan Harmon. He was an animal on that defense with you guys. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So you you transitioned from a safety to linebacker. Was that tough for you in college? It wasn't tough. I think the toughest part was for me accepting it mentally. Like, all right, I'm not playing safety no more. I'm I'm going to linebacker. Um, Cause I played linebacker like as a kid. I played linebacker in high school. Then I went to prep school. I switched to safety, and I got recruited as a safety and played safety for the first couple years. But then like, Shiano just you know had this vision uh, for me as a player and um, and for our defense um, at the time. And it like it made the most sense. Um, and, I mean, in any any way you looked at it, speed, getting more speed at the linebacker position. Um, getting better safety. Like, I was a pretty good safety, but, you know, we had, like you said, we had Deron Harmon in. Um, we had, we had uh, you know, Lorenzo. We had a couple guys back there uh, that that were really good at what they did. So to put me down at that linebacker, which I could, you know, my body could withstand it, um, and him actually saying to me, like, you want to play in the NFL, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna play linebacker. Like, you won't play safety in the NFL, you'll be a linebacker. So he kind of like saw the future and then from there just took off. So so you keep talking about the defense and I don't think people are going to like remember like the Rutgers defense, but I just want to say, I just looked it up because I remember you guys being like ridiculously good. The 2012 Rutgers defense was fourth in the country in opponents points per game at just over 14 points a game. Man. Like, that, <laughs> I, 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 that's something like that's – and now that I'm thinking, I was always saying that you guys had a very like, a stupidly good defense. Uh, your special teams, uh, for three yep. years in a row, your special teams led the country in blocked field goals and punts. Yep. Like, that's what, it was, like, that's just what I think about when I thought about those teams is the defense. Yeah, it was special then, man. And, and, the, and the good thing is, like, our run defense was, like, really, really, really good. And, you know, in the Big Ten, uh, that's, like, the premier thing. Um is is the run the you know the run game you know you got some good quarterbacks there but it's not like you know the Big Twelve where they play pretty much seven on seven all day it's uh it, it it's it's a lot of like pro style offices in the um in the Big Ten so I think I mean I I, I know we would have fit in and made some noise over there just just because our principles and our morals as a defense and our offense would have fed off our energy and, and been able to do some things as well. Yeah. Uh, one thing you said, uh, Shiano had a vision for you to play linebacker. Uh, Matt Matt Miller from Bleacher Report. I was actually like I was doing research on you before because you know we I don't remember everything about you, but he said he believe, he believes that you were the best cover linebacker in the draft when you entered. So. Well, and I appreciate that, man. Obviously, he knows something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I prided myself on that. And I and I can agree to that, man. I I I took it personal. Um, even now, like when it comes to playing 
when you know playing a little flag football on the weekends or even playing basketball when I'm when I'm one on one with somebody that's like that's like my like my territory so um, I, I appreciate him for giving me that you know recognition. <laughs> so uh, how close are you like still in Rutgers? Like do you have any like connection to like the program still? Or? Uh, it's yeah, not really so much. You know a lot has changed, man. Um, a lot of guys are gone. Coaches mm-hmm. are gone. Um, you know, when 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 people leave, it kind of like changes the whole dynamic of what what was already established there. So it's um, I don't I don't have that good of a connection up there. I've huh. got a good enough one to you know go to the games or get tickets to go to the games. But uh, as far as like being in tune with the team or um, you know, talking to Coach Ash, you know, before games or anything like that. Like, I don't have that relationship uh, like I had in the past with, like, Coach Flood and stuff. But, um, you know, that's home for me, man. It'll always be home. So, uh, I mean, that's the one good thing. I, I can always go up there. And at the least, they'll know who I am. Yeah. Uh, w- one other thing that I actually had to ask. I noticed that you're uh, very close to uh, Eric Legrand, right? Right. Yep. Yeah, so uh, do you want to talk about your friendship with him a little bit? So so Eric and I were also roommates. When I moved off campus um, into a house, it was three. It was me, Eric, and a, a, um, a guy named Devin Watkins. That was mm-hmm. our third roommate. We had a uh, we had a three bedroom house together, and it was it was um it, we was real tight, man. Like Eric, Eric, man, you you can't speak enough about him and his his character. The type of person he is, man. His his story tells itself. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So like, our our friendship is is more like a brotherhood. It's like, you know, Eric is like a a a source of of motivation and inspiration for me every single day. And and so, when I think about him, I don't really think of a friendship. I really just think of a brotherhood. I think of uh, you know, his movement. Um, given you know the, the everything that he's been through. Um, he's, he's that, he's that type of person in, like in my life where it's like, I, I am better because of him and what he's been through and how he's handling everything. So, uh, big ups to E. I mean, it's crazy cause I'm down in my, down in my little cave and I'm actually looking at a picture of him right now. So it's <laughs> crazy as, as, as we talk about that, but yeah, man, he's, 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 he's a big part of my life. Um, big, big time. No, yeah, definitely. That's pretty cool. I, I just, I read an article earlier and I, I was like, I didn't know you guys were that close, but yeah, he's an amazing person. Like I've talked to him once at, at Rutgers and just blows my mind. Yeah, man. He's, he's, he's such a great person. Uh, just, I don't know a lot of people. I don't, I don't know a lot of people just in life that would be able to do uh, some of the things that he's done given his situation I don't. I don't think is is a lot of people who could handle it the way he did. So that's unique in itself. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely like a unique. That's awesome that you guys think about more. Like you said, you said you're thinking about more of a brotherhood than you do like a friendship. That's right. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, one, one of the things I wanted to touch on for sure when when I knew you were coming on was uh, 2012, uh, the Louisville game. I remember I, I went to that game. Uh, do you remember? I'm sure you remember 
Uh-huh. Uh, the fake field goal that was called back. Um, when it was seventeen, when you guys were up seventeen three. Fake field goal that was called back. Nah. It, oh, did I? He try, tries to forget the game. Yeah, I honestly, I, I try to forget because I remembered the call and it was so. I, I'm actually, I'm gonna send you the call play right now, <laughs> maybe because it'll refresh your memory. What, did 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 was the was a ball thrown to DC? DC yeah. Yes. Yeah, I remember that play. <laughs> you can still send it though. I like to see it again. Yeah, and I forget what. What the penalty was on the play? What? Uh, I'm not sure if it because I don't because I'm looking at it now. I I don't think it would have been an, it might have been a legal man downfield. I believe that was a call. But I mean that play it, it was a terrible call regardless. And right. if you guys ended up losing that game, I think twenty to seventeen, and that that actually would have changed the fate of the game because you guys would have been up twenty one. Yeah. Three at that point, so. Like, do you ever, like, think back to that game, like, and think of different things that happened and, you know, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater playing with, like, two broken fingers or something crazy? Yeah, he had, a he had a like, a sprained wrist and, like, a, bo- a broken bone in his ankle or some crap, like, some gladiator-type stuff. <laughs> I think about that game often because, uh, like, when I, when I think about us being, you know, our first Big East championship, it's, like, it's not, like, a flat-out championship. It's, like, a co-championship, you know what I mean? So it's kind of, like, it's, like, like my, my junior year. A lot of people don't know this. My junior year, I was co-defensive player of the conference uh, with Derek Wolf. And not a lot of people know that because when they think about, when they think about Coles, they just think about him probably because he went to the league, entered the league before me and all that stuff. But I, I literally was a junior and won Big East. I have two trophies, two Big East Defensive Player of the Year trophies in my house. Um, and one of them is from my junior year from share, but I had to share it with him. So I, I think about often sharing a Big East championship with, uh, with those guys, man. And, and the, the, the fate of that game, had we just closed it out or had we just stopped them a couple different times when they, you know, got big key third downs and stuff. So, uh, it definitely would have been a feeling, although we were able to do something that's never been done, it would have been a better feeling for me and for us. I think, um, had we won it outright and then played in that big bowl game. Now, you guys would have played against Florida. That would have been that oh, would have been a great it, matchup. It would have been amazing. It, the score would have probably went something like 6-3. to three. Yeah, yeah, yeah and probably. 9-6. Nine, nine and six. and I, that's a guarantee. And, one, and, and I, it's funny because I would have played against who would have became my one of my teammates and one of my good friends, John Bostic, was a starting linebacker for Florida. We both got drafted to Chicago together. He went in the second round. I went in the fourth round. And we 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 real tight to this day as well. But but we'd have been able to play against each other. That would have been cool, man. And, you know, kid Josh Evans from New Jersey was there too. So it would have been a good game. Definitely a defensive game. Yeah, so talking about uh, your time in the NFL, uh, I, I was watching a play earlier. Do you remember 98-yard pick six? Yeah, yeah, man. That was in the um, preseason. yeah. That, you, was preseason, that yeah. was just a crazy play. You turned on the Jets like you yeah. toe for the pick, like Yeah, that was sick, man. I thought uh <laughs> it's funny, it's such a business, man. I thought 
after after that play, like I, I was gonna you know, I was solidified. I was I was in there, I was making that team. I thought it was it was it was uh man, everything but me signing my co- new contract was was set in stone. But mm-hmm. that I mean, just to be able to like I can Google that and show show my son or like show kids when I do speaking engagements or something that like just to be able to do that for me is is something that I, I value and I um and I and I feel feel real good about myself. So uh, so so one last thing before before we wrap this up is uh what was your favorite moment in your Rutgers career? My favorite moment um there's been there, there were two two times I can't really take one over the other um one was just was the West Virginia game when we when we played in the snow when Eric came back to the stadium. For the mm-hmm. first time, he let us out the tunnel. That was. Like, I actually, of, I think I remember that game like yeah. very clearly. Yeah, that that was a tough one. That was we almost beat him. Yeah, yeah, they plowed the field at halftime. Yep, they were. And plowed they should have done that. <laughs> yeah, they should have just left it because yeah. the, the funny thing is they ran the reverse to Tavon Austin and he, the whole field had got recovered except for one area that they plowed and when he hit that area and went up that sideline, that was it. That was it. Nobody was touching him, man. So hey, before before you get to your uh, your second moment, how, how difficult was it playing against Tavon Austin? Because you know he's uh, one of the fastest players ever, probably. Um, man, oh man, Tavon was a headache, man. <laughs> he's a headache, man. You think about a guy who's as fast as he is, as shifty as he is, and so dominant like as dominant as he is and you think about having a game plan for just him and then you gotta factor in that they got like a a, a superstar quarterback and another uh superstar role playing wide receiver and running back you know so it is it those things all factor into um into game planning but but Tavon as an individual was he's he's tough man he's I mean, you should you see what he did. Now it, it wasn't just us that he did the things that he did to. No, uh, yeah, he did it to pretty much everybody. So, um, but yeah, he, he, it was fun playing against him. Um, you know, we're competitors, so it was definitely fun. But it, it, it's always hard to game plan for one guy like that when you got like you know three or four other guys who they all feed off of one another. Yeah, that that's just crazy. Like you know, hearing you talk about playing against them because uh. It definitely wasn't just against you. Against Oklahoma that same year, you yep. had 572 yards against them. Yep. Total. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Like one player. Yep. That's that was just the nature of what was going on, man. He he torched a lot of people, man. A lot. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what was your uh, other favorite moment that you had? My other favorite moment was um was more of an individual moment. That was. The Syracuse game when uh I, I, man I don't think I had a game better than that in my whole career I think I had two sacks like two forced fumbles in a in an interception or something like yeah that game was crazy man was that the game I, I think you had like what fourteen and a half tackles or something ridiculous like that yeah I was all over the place that game like I I legit uh that game was crazy. <laughs> Wait, did it, you got a safety that game too, didn't you? I think. No, no, no. I didn't get a safety. Uh, 
I just had a I had a sack for I had a sack for a fumble. Um, I had two sacks actually. One was for a fumble, and then um, I caught an interception, and I probably I think I had like eleven or twelve tackles. So, um, it was it was it was quite a busy day for me, man, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that was definitely a crazy time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, so I think I'm pretty much wraps it up. Uh, like I said, Kasim, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, not only do we appreciate this because of you know a lot of our followers who are Rutgers guys will appreciate you. Me and John, we're, you know, we watched you playing while we were growing up, so this is you know, something special for us. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on, man. No problem, man. I, I thank you guys for having me, man. This one was this was fun, man. And, uh, um, I'm I'm gonna I'm listen to you guys, man, a little more now that I know and I've done this interview. So you know, keep up the good job, man. And uh, I appreciate you know, that, man. I, I like I said, I'm just I'm appreciative of you guys, man, and your support. Yeah, we, we appreciate that, man. Um, thank you again. No problem, man. Have a good one. You too. You too. All right. All right. So that was the interview with Rutgers legend Kasim Green. Uh, he was, you know, like I said, All-American guy. So it was definitely a big interview for us to get. Uh, spoiler, we may have in the works another interview with a guy who was All-American and another All-Team Distinguished recently. So, and a uh, Joke Walker Award winner. Yes, stay, stay, tuned, stay tuned for that one. So we're, we're going to try and get that one done. We're working out some kinks right now with it. Uh, but that's the episode for today. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the games this week, win some money. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys next week.